If you like the work that we produce on this show, support the show and get access to extra content and more at patreon.com backslash Fred Opie show. Live from our studio in Babson Park, Massachusetts, it's the Fred Opie show where we unpack history to positively impact the future. I am Fred Opie, your host. Thanks for joining us live or listening to the podcast. Our guest today, Coach Joe Cuzo, who is the head lacrosse coach emeritus of Ward Melville High School and a member of the Cortland State Hall of Fame and the National Lacrosse Hall of Fame. His interview today is part of our series, Cortland State, the Cradle of Coaches. We unpack his oral history and lacrosse journey today on the Fred Opie Show. Our prayers, well wishes go out to the folks who have felt the full force of the coronavirus. We want you to know that we're thinking about you. We're praying for a speedy uh, recovery and resolve to this issue. What is the oldest thing you know about either side of your family history? Well, I know my uh, paternal grandpa came from Italy back in the early 1900s. My grandfather was a a blaster where they would work with dynamite. And my maternal grandfather owned a shoe repair shop, which was popular back in the day. Do you know what part of Italy either side of the family came from? Yes. My father's parents were from a small town near Salerno in southern Italy, a village by the name of Acerno, up in the mountains east of Salerno. Here of that particular little village, his last name was Cuso. Who introduced you to the sport of lacrosse? Interesting story. My roommate at Cortland, who, by the way, was from White Plains, he was a football player. I played four years of football there, and my first thing was I ran spring track. So my roommate, whose name is Lou, said to me, Joe, you've got to try this game. It's, it's a great game. You do well at it. Why don't you give it a try? So I decided in my junior year, to pick up a stick and and try lacrosse. So needless to say, my stick skills weren't the best, but I could run, I could employ some of my football skills to the lacrosse field, my aggressiveness. And I played two years, junior and senior year, and just uh, fell in love with the game. We didn't have a high school team in Yonkers, and I played at Yonkers High School. So it was an entirely new, new sport to me. In fact, after college, I played eight years of club lacrosse on Long Island. I just love playing the game. Now, my interview with you is part of a larger series called Cortland State, the Cradle of Coaches. Why Cortland State for you coming out of high school? I didn't exactly set the academic world on fire coming out of high school. 
and it was at the recommendation of my high school football coach, a legend by the name of Les Beck in the city of Yonkers football. And he convinced Cortland to take a chance on me and accept me. I saw it as an opportunity to continue to play football. I was more uh, concerned with that than with actually uh, the education that I later came to so appreciate at Cortland. It was a choice I made based on the fact that I wanted to continue to play football, a game which I which I still, to this day, love. And it turned out to be greater than I could have ever expected. I loved the school. I applied myself academically. I did very well. And it, uh, it introduced me to lacrosse, which has so changed my life, such a big impact on my life. What year was your freshman year at Cortland State? 1955. Many generations today, this is the first time they've experienced a national crisis. What were similar crises that this reminds you of that you lived through as a, as a young guy? The measles outbreak, scarlet fever, which I contracted as a young person, the influenza, the flu, which affected so many people. This particular coronavirus virus is, is a bit unusual It's worldwide effect. It's a bit extreme. So let's return to the question, why did Cortland State, why has it consistently produced so many great lacrosse coaches? The education and the emphasis on professionalism that I received uh, as an undergraduate. They constantly stressed what they call professional attitude, our approach to our studies, to our sports, the way we dressed, the way we spoke, the way we conducted ourselves. And to me, it became a source of pride. I think it instilled in me an attitude of uh, doing things, quote, the right way, unquote, not taking shortcuts, more of an effect on me from my teammates particularly on the lacrosse squad, that had such a positive influence on on my desire to continue in the world of lacrosse. How did you and your parents pay for your Cortland State education? It was tuition-free. We paid a student activity fee, which I believe, if I recall, was about $50. As an athlete, I worked in the dining room where I received my meals and 50 cents an hour. <laughs> that, that was my pay. I don't, I don't necessarily think it should be free, but I also don't see why it needs to be so expensive. Is it because of inflation or, 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 or just what is it? Uh, I'm not sure. It seems as if the tuition is going up and the school year is getting shorter. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't make sense. In terms of student loans, I think we need to help these students as much as possible, you know, granting them some kind of relief. I'm not saying we should pay them pay them entirely, but there was also, I believe, at one point where if you graduated and went into teaching, you didn't have to pay the loan back. 
it was encouraging people to go in more into service industries to help them out financially. Coach, tell me, how did you end up at uh, Ward Melville? Was that your first gig coming out of college, or where did you end up working no. first? No, actually, I started teaching in uh, 1959 at uh, Bayshore School District on Long Island. I taught um, elementary physical education for three years. I taught junior high school general science for five years. Bayshore didn't have a lacrosse team or a lacrosse program. And I wanted very badly to be a lacrosse coach. So I heard about this new school district on Long Island that was looking at a lacrosse program, a fledgling program, was looking for a lacrosse coach. So I applied, interviewed for the position, was offered the job at Ward Melville, and in 1967, I started teaching in the Ward Melville School District. And that first year, I coached the JV lacrosse team, and then in 1969, I became the varsity coach. The show will be right back. For related content on negotiating the world of school and sports, visit our website at fredopi.com. Check out our podcast archive and review the show on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. The best way to support the podcast is to tell a friend. Share the show on Facebook and Twitter or send them to our website at fredopi.com. Publishing a book in the final months and weeks is like being an expectant father. I'm excited to announce that Super 7 is now in print. People have asked me, how did I go from being a poor student to PhD, Harvard Fellowship, and the author of six books? I thought about that question for years and developed an answer, taught it, and now published a paperback, Kindle, and audiobook in response. Here is a summary of the seven chapters in the book. Chapter one, receiving and giving feedback and how to fail forward. Chapter two, best practices for communicating with coworkers, family, and friends. Chapter three, how to plan your work and work your plan. Chapter four, how to prepare for success and reduce your stress. Chapter five, how to better manage your time and be present. Chapter 6, Learn How You and Those Around You Learn Best. Chapter 7, Leverage Technology to Keep Your Sanity and Get More Done. It's a short book, only 64 pages, full of nuggets of wisdom based on the mistakes and stupid tax I've paid over the years. Do you or someone you know have ADHD or you suspect they are on the spectrum for having it? I've met lots of students who do have it and adults my age who have recently learned they do. Whatever your difference is, it's a relief to find out that you're not lazy, crazy, or stupid. That's how I felt most of my life. Behavioral health specialists diagnosed me as a child, but I didn't get the help I needed until I was nearly 30. Since then, I started developing what I now call Super 7, 
as a way to make what's different about me like a superpower. Purchase copies of Super 7 and give them to your team, family, friends, and coworkers as a resource. And we're running a limited time offer special to celebrate the release of the book. For $7.99, you get the book and three CDs of my live events as a special offer. That's $20 worth of content for the purchase of a signed copy of Super 7. Go to our online store at fredobespeaks.com and purchase the book and bundle offer, and we'll get it to you as soon as possible. Today's show is brought to you in part by theathletebook.com. If your business is looking to hire talented team members, post your openings on theathletebook.com. They host virtual hiring events that connect college, Olympic, and pro athlete to job opportunities. Theathletebook.com offers diversity recruiting solutions, personality trait matching to your top employees. CEO Ryan Drummond is a friend, former Division I athlete, and seasoned talent strategist. Theathletebook.com works with small businesses as well as pro sports teams, Amazon, Yelp, J.P. Morgan Chase, GE, and Under Armour to help them hire the best. We're back. What would you say to somebody about creating a winning culture and a positive culture as a new coach? What would you do? Well, I, I, I believe I was unfortunate when I inherited the position of, at Novo. We had a uh, an above-average group of athletes. Many of them who played baseball in, in junior high school or ran track in junior high school, um... I I spoke to them and our uh, junior high school physical education teachers um, who were also Cortland people, at least one of them was, and they would, um, I don't want to use the word recruit, <laughs> but speak to the young students about, about the game of lacrosse. And they would, they would try it and obviously uh, enjoyed it and stayed with it. And then when I uh, inherited them at the high school, I stressed to them how, how I felt it was um, important to, uh, to work at the game, to play it the, play it the right way, you know, to play it as a, uh, as a team, that it's not an individual sport, it's a, it's a team sport, and to be 100% dedicated to it as a player as, as I was uh, as a coach. And then we would visit the elementary schools and put on uh, clinics and workshops and, shall I say, demonstrations for the younger players to teach them about, about the game of lacrosse and hopefully encourage some of them to, uh, to, to join our program. 
But I think the thing I brought to it was an, an unwavering dedication to, uh, to excellence, that um, I wasn't happy unless things were done the right way, and we would not take uh, any days off, and we would not take any shortcuts. Uh, we would work harder than, than anyone else and take pride in, in, in what we did. And I think once we started winning, uh, other students wanted to be part uh, of a winning team. And then, Fred, I was also very, very fortunate to have a tremendous coaching staff. Hmm. Our junior high coaches, our JV coaches, were dedicated to the program. They were happy doing the job at their particular level without having any aspirations of taking over my job as the varsity coach. And whatever I asked them uh, of them, they would gladly do. They would implement uh, our uh, offensive and defensive philosophies, which made my job a lot easier. Hmm. So, so without them, I don't think our program would have been as successful. And I was also fortunate to have them for many, many, many years. We didn't have much of a transition in our coaching staff, which we see nowadays. Mm-hmm. Their coaches are there one or two years and then leave. Mm-hmm. And then I was also fortunate to have some very dedicated parents, who started a youth league. Mm-hmm. This was way back, before the days of travel across. Mm-hmm. And, and it would be just for the students in, in our district. They would also do whatever they could to prepare these youngsters for the day they would be wearing the green and gold. Who is Mr. Right. Betcher? Mr. Betcher was an, a junior high school history teacher uh, who coached our 7th and 8th grade team. He was a uh, former Marine <laughs> and uh, he would encourage the, the players to, uh, you know, to play lacrosse and he would carry 40 or 50 players on the team. He wouldn't cut anyone. He would play everyone every game. Hmm. He was like Fred. I would call him a uh, a Pied Piper. Hmm. They would just follow him. And his two sons, uh, Bob Betcher and uh, Rich Betcher, played for us. Bob played at uh, Ohio Wesleyan, mm-hmm. and Rich played down at Towson. Mm-hmm. And they were uh, great contributors to our program. In fact, uh, Bruce Betcher lives down here in Florida now, mm-hmm. not too far from where I snowbird. <laughs> so we do talk and get together and talk about the old days. Mm. But it was it was people like like Bruce Betcher that so contributed to our program, and I can't give them enough credit. Whenever I spoke to a newspaper reporter or or anyone 
I, I never failed to mention my staff. People thought I was being um, uh, falsely modest or humble, but I wasn't. I knew and appreciated how much they meant to our program. You know, and, and I had an assistant coach by the name of Bill Martens, who coached, uh, who was our defensive coach. And believe me, Fred, I learned more lacrosse or more coaching from Bill than from any other person that I know. Wow. And he was with me for over 20 some years. Wow. He was a former head coach. Things didn't go well for him at his former high school. I knew him and respected him because I was a lacrosse official mm-hmm. for eight years. Mm-hmm. I officiated high school games in Suffolk County, and, and, and I always appreciated his team and, 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 and their sense of sportsmanship and teamwork and fair play. And I said, wow, this guy does a great job. Mm. So when he became available... I spoke with him. I offered him position, and luckily for us, he, he, he accepted. Coach, what is something that you thought you understood about taking that job at Ward Melville that later on you realized you had totally wrong? I never had aspirations of, uh, of, of building a dynasty. Mm-hmm. I just wanted a sport that I truly loved and wanted to devote my, my, myself to that sport. In fact, it was a very difficult decision uh, to leave Bayshore High School where I was teaching uh, because I was coaching football there mm-hmm. and I was starting to get entrenched. Mm-hmm. But the lure of, of, of coaching lacrosse was just too great and, and, and it pulled me away. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about Lord Marvel. I knew nothing about the school district. But when I applied for the position, uh, the athletic director, small world that it is, was from Yonkers. Oh, wow. <laughs> My hometown, he uh, coached basketball at Roosevelt High School, mm-hmm. which is in the city of Yonkers. Mm-hmm. And we started talking, and after talking for a little bit of we find out that we both worked at a public pool, Civic <laughs> Foot Park pool, in Yonkers. <laughs> so he said to me, oh, I've been following your career at baseball and, and at Cortland. He said, uh, hold on a few days and, uh, you know, I'll let you know, I'll get back to you. Wow. Wow. So he called me back and he said, uh, you know, we'd like to offer you the position. I said, absolutely, I would, I would take it. Again, not knowing much about the area mm-hmm. or the type of uh, athletes that I would be inheriting, uh, and it turned out, Fred, uh, it's it's it was a daydream. Hmm. Wow. When I look back on it, it's still hard to believe all the good things that happened to me. Please email me at fdopie at gmail dot com and share your questions. I will repeat them on the show so people get the benefit of your question and my response.
Dr. Tina Opie worked as a management consultant before earning her PhD at NYU Stern School of Business and becoming a tenured faculty member at Babson College. She has worked with the NFL, UBS, American Express, and Hulu to help their organizations do the hard work of becoming more inclusive. Tina Opie's consulting group can help your organization develop a strategy for elevating women and people from different ratio ethnic backgrounds to leadership positions. Tina's work on inclusion, appearance policies, authenticity, and or shared sisterhood will make a positive difference in your organization. Contact Tina at OP Consulting Group, LLC at gmail.com. That's OP Consulting Group, LLC at gmail.com. Our scripture of the day is Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12. I will dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Scientist George Washington Carver said, Since new developments are the products of a creative mind, you must therefore stimulate and encourage that type of mind in every way possible. Coach, I want to ask you uh, in the interview with a bunch of uh, rapid fire questions. There should be some fun questions, some reflective questions, and just do the best you can. The ones you can't answer, no problem. We'll, we'll keep going. First question Tell me a hero, a hardship, and a highlight in your career. Well, a hero, uh, I, I point to my high school coach who I mentioned before. He was a tremendous impact on my life. Without him, I don't think. I would have gone to college. A, a highlight, winning our first state championship in 1978, and a heartache was the way my career ended at Ward Melville. I retired from teaching in 2005. I stayed at Melville in 2006 as a co-head coach, and I said, this is not working out. I went to Mount Sinai High School, which was a little... Class C school district, about 15 minutes away from Ward Melville. And I coached there 2007 through 2010. But when I went there, I told them, you know, you're a Class C school in terms of population, but I'm bringing a Class 1, a Class A attitude to Mount Sinai. Uh, the athletic director there was a guy by the name of Scott Ray was an All-American lacrosse player at Adelphi, and he offered me the position. And I still had the fire in my belly. They were improving, and uh, we kind of put them, put them over the top. I had a good friend of mine, Rick Mercurio, come, come along as a coach, assistant coach. He was a former Sachem coach, and we worked well together. And we had a great group of kids, and they bought into what we were preaching, and... Uh, they ended up being very successful. I was bitter when I left Ward Melville. I was, I was disappointed. People who had made promises didn't keep their promises to me. I just felt that there was not a lot of appreciation, not by the players or the parents, but by some of the people involved in the, uh, in, in the school district. That bitterness will kill me, so I, I had to give it up. And, and then when I went to Mount Sinai, uh, people said, oh, I guess you 
you showed Melville that you can still coach, huh? Because the word going around Melville was that, you know, I lost my fastball. The game passed me by. It's time for him to get out. Time to give it to somebody younger. And I knew that wasn't true. I knew in my heart that wasn't true. I didn't go to Mount Sinai to prove anything to anybody. I only went there as an opportunity to coach kids, which I love doing. I don't think I changed a lot of, of when I went to Mount Sinai. I, I brought the same dedication and intensity uh, to, to Mount Sinai, and they, they were a little uh, <laughs> shocked initially, the players, but once they realized what we were trying to do, uh, they, they bought into it. Fortunately, the better players on the team weren't seniors. It was a good junior class, mm-hmm. and they turned out to be a great senior class. And in 2008, we won the Class C state championship. We played Rye High School in, in the semifinals, and then we beat Corning East in the finals. And I think that's the first time a coach has won a state championship in, in two different classifications. We won seven state championships at Melville and one at, at Mount Sinai. Uh, I appreciate what they did for me in my career. And, it turned out great. Dinner with three people, dead or alive. Who would you want to have dinner with, and why these three people? I would love to have dinner with Barack Obama. I so respected him as a, not only as a president, but as a, a great human being. Bill Parcells, because I, uh, I believe a lot of my coaching characteristics were similar to his. And, and my dad. Who... What would be a thing about you that your players would be surprised to learn? I think uh, most of them thought I was uh, a little bit crazy <laughs> <laughs> in terms of my, uh, my, my intensity and, yep. and, and involvement with the game. I think they would uh, be surprised to know that deep down inside I have a very uh, caring and kind heart and soul, and that I feel for for other people, particularly those that are are less fortunate than most. And I kind of really reach out to them. Uh, As a physical education teacher at Ward Melville, I would teach the uh, special ed students Mm -hmm. back then, and I would voluntarily say, I'll take this class. I got as much joy out of teaching and working with the less fortunate as I did with the athletes who were more fortunate. That, that I think they might be a little surprised at. What's something that you wish you could do? Well, as a youngster, I used to play trumpet, and I wish I could play the trumpet. <laughs> I wish I was more musical, particularly with the trumpet. If I give you $10 million that you have to give away to a nonprofit organization doing positive things, where would you give the $10 million? Would you break it up, or is there one organization that would get it all? Give most of it to Ronald McDonald House and the rest to the American Cancer Society. You're going to write a book of success, and I define success on the show as having the greatest positive impact on the world that you can. The chapter title for three of your chapters of the book of success, what would those three chapter titles be? Dedication, persistence, hard work. What is your definition of greatness? 
someone who has put a greater cause above themselves, people who sacrifice their own individuality for the greater good of man. That's it for this edition of The Fred Opie Show. Thank you for joining us. Check out the show archive at fredopiespeaks.com, as well as our books and other content. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out our show notes where you'll find a way to subscribe to our podcast, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You'll find links to books discussed on the show, links to our YouTube channel where you can watch the show. If you want to know more about what I'm doing, go to fredopi.com, which is my website. You can see information on the books I've published. There are two blogs.